The Earth Church Radio welcomes you. I'm Reverend Billy, and here's Jason Candler, and over here we have Savitri D. The three of us have a special concoction for you over the next 29 minutes. Hold on now. Did you hear the Earth crash into the world? And the Earth says, you cannot fill the human brain with fire and flood and virus and death with fear and advertising and sexual shame. Did you hear the Earth crash into the world? It says, I'm swallowing you now whole with fire and flood and virus and death. And we'll see who wants to be free. The Earth crash into the world. I take everything we made, fire and flood, virus and death, 115 in the shade. The Earth crash into the world says, you cannot cut down my trees, fire and flood, virus and death. Cannot heat up my seas. Change, oh change, change without us, it's in 
Judy Barry talks about organizing timber workers during a speech in Portland, Oregon. What everybody has been asking me for the last two days, how do you organize timber workers? How do you organize loggers? How do you get loggers to talk to earth firsters? And the first answer is you have to like loggers. That's, that's the first thing. And I already did because, you know, I, having been a blue-collar worker the, my whole adult life, the conditions of my life are actually more similar to them than to the privileged environmentalists in the city, the espresso-sucking pavement dwellers, as we call them. <laughs> but so being from a rural area myself and being a working-class person myself, I can relate for those reasons. A lot of it really depends on your attitude. The thing that happens is people who are more educated or who are from urban areas tend to really look down, especially on rural working people. Actually, what I've discovered from a lifetime of, not, of being a non-achiever is that um, intelligence is it's equally distributed among the social classes. Um, Dan Quill is the perfect example of that. And, um, but there's a tendency of urban people to look down and consider the timber workers stupid, to talk down to them, to things like that. I've heard a 21-year-old college student say to a 45-year-old logger, do you know what biodiversity is? And, you know, if you do that, that's the end of the conversation. So what, what I actually do is I just talk to people, that's all. I mean, it's been incredibly easy because there's nobody speaking for the timber workers out there. The wise use movement, the anti-environmentalists, those people are management. In fact, if you actually know them and who they are, they are low-level management. They're fronting for the corporations, but they're not the workers. Nobody's speaking for the workers. The unions have mostly been smashed or corrupted themselves, and the actual interest of the workers is not expressed in the political spectrum in the timber war. So what I did was, well, one of them is having some respect for them as intelligent human beings. Instead of telling the timber workers to, what to do, which is the other mistake environmentalists always make, I asked them. And I asked them to tell me about their working conditions and their lives. And the way I would meet them, by the way, is we'd blockade them. And, you know, here they are, and we're chained to their truck. They're not going anywhere. children is the cause of that ill disease my world is slowly falling down then the air is not fit to breathe and those of us who care enough we've got to do something oh what you gonna do about me Just put you on They Never tell you The whole story They Just put your young ideas Down 
I'm just wondering if this one's the end of our pride and glory. Oh, what you gonna do about me? Oh, what you gonna do about me? Well, I worked in your factories and I studied in the schools and I fill your penitentiaries in the military too I can feel the future trembling as the word is passed around if you stick up for what you do believe in be prepared to be shot down cold what you gonna do about me Redwood Summers' Judy Berry, who was later the object of violence by the FBI, and then Richie Havens. They remind us, here decades later, our necessary revolution is here in this extraordinary moment. Our only task is to live up to what the earth is doing. The sixth extinction is not demanding our desire. It's happening, and that's all. We don't want to let the words from traditional human culture take the thing away from what this must be, the earth acting entirely prior to anything we say. It's the ultimate revolution, but that is a useless phrase yearning for a powerful meaning that it can never have. Revolution is a placeholder for a far greater change that is not historical. It is coming out of the present, which is something we're not used to. Hurricanes are coming in and going out. Cuba yesterday, then Florida, then Maui, then Norway, the Carolinas, Nova Scotia, back into the Bahamas. These are our arms and our organs and our heads. The Taino and the Caribbean call this Huracan, the god of the storm. Doesn't matter what you call it, our understanding is serviced by this thing that is beyond any reckoning. Without desire or fear, it just is. It is the Earth's necessary revolution. And as agents of the earth, we have that in us as well. It's inside of us. Our prediction of our own future, we have from this beyond thing, we have a sudden clarity. The revolution for the earth is simply raging at this time with a release of energy that is unfathomable. The god of the storm. Maar dan zit je toch altijd met dat verhaal. Ja, dat is minder waardigheid complex dat iedereen naar uh, ja. foto's hebt. Ja, dat weet ik niet. Hello, welcome to News from the Natural World. This is Savitri D. 
The U.S. will fund a $1.2 billion effort to vacuum greenhouse gases from the sky in two pilot projects announced this week. Many scientists are skeptical of the technology and environmentalists have criticized the approach. Oil and gas companies lobbied for the direct air capture money to be included in the law, arguing that the world could continue to burn fossil fuels if it had a way to clean up their planet-warming pollution. The projects are in Texas and Louisiana. Microplastics have been discovered in the human heart and its innermost tissues for the first time. While the health consequences of this are still unknown, the new study is yet another grim reminder of how pervasive the world's plastic problem has become within just one century. In a new study, scientists at Beijing Ansen Hospital in China collected cardiac tissue samples from 15 patients undergoing heart surgery, as well as blood samples taken from pre- and post-operation. Using a number of different imaging techniques, the team detected tens to thousands of individual microplastic pieces in most tissue samples. The Greenland shark, Somniosis microcephalus, is the longest living vertebrate on the planet, with a lifespan that's thought to possibly extend beyond 500 years. Even at the most conservative estimate of 272 years, it beats any other species on Earth. India is producing one-third less heat-trapping gas for every dollar generated by its economy, officials say. From 2005 to 2019, India's carbon emissions roughly doubled, but its economy grew even faster. As forests expanded and renewable power came online, it was able to cut the total amount of carbon produced per dollar of economic output. In just 14 years, India trimmed the carbon intensity of its economy by 33%. India has been able to completely decouple its economic growth from its carbon emissions. President Biden announced the creation of a new national monument to protect about a million acres of land around the Grand Canyon from uranium mining. Baj Navho Ita Kukvente Grand Canyon National Monument is a new permanently protected area that encompasses 1,562 total square miles in northern Arizona. The designation protects the area against all future mineral claims and effectively halts developers from prospecting new uranium mines forever. The new national monument's name includes two indigenous references. Bajnavho means where tribes roam in the Havasupai language, while Ita Kukveni means our ancestral footprints to the Hopi people. A delegation of tribal leaders stood adjacent to the president as he gave his speech and then signed the designation. As droughts wither crops and water insecurity disrupts political and economic stability, people are on the move. The World Bank estimates that 700 million people are at risk of being displaced by severe water stress by 2030. Creating new technologically advanced sensors, scientists have engineered bacteria that detect the presence of tumor DNA in live organisms. Their innovation could pave the way to new biosensors capable of identifying various infections, cancers, and diseases. New research confirms fracking causes slow, small earthquakes or tremors, whose origin was previously a mystery to scientists. The tremors are produced by the same processes that could create large, damaging earthquakes. It has been known for some time that fracking can produce larger earthquakes. To keep faults from slipping underground and producing them or tremors, one option would be to stop fracking. As this is unlikely, some scientists believe it is important to monitor these activities to understand how rocks are being deformed by them 
and to track the movement of fluids after injection. Modeling experiments can be and are performed to help companies determine fluid injection pressures that should not be exceeded. Staying within these limits helps ensure that the fluids will not migrate towards large faults underground, triggering even more damaging seismic activity. Floods and landslides caused by monsoon rains have killed five people and forced the evacuation of around 40,000 others in Myanmar. Flooding began in late July and has affected nine of the country's states and regions. Myanmar is in the grip of a bloody civil conflict between the junta, which seized power in a February 2021 coup, and civilian militias opposed to its rule. In nearby China, the death toll rose from record-breaking rains across northern China, as authorities warned of more flooding and another storm approaching the country. Storm Daksuri, which hit mainland China as a typhoon two weeks ago, brought on the most severe rainfall since records began 140 years ago. The deluge followed weeks of historic heat. Heavy rains are expected again over the weekend as Tropical Depression Kanun, formerly a typhoon, approaches China. Paleontologists working in northern Alaska have discovered a tiny fossil mammal that thrived in what may have been among the coldest conditions on Earth about 73 million years ago. The furry animal weighed an estimated 11 grams, or less than an empty aluminum soda can. It also lived year-round in northern Alaska, which at the time lay much farther north, above the planet's Arctic Circle. There, the tiny ice mouse likely weathered as much as four months of unending darkness in the winter and temperatures that fell below freezing. The researchers identified the new species from only a handful of tiny teeth, each about the size of a grain of sand. Researchers suspect the ice mouse was so small because there was so little to eat during the winter in Alaska. The origin of bees is tens of millions of years older than most previous estimates. A team traced the bee genealogy back more than 120 million years to an ancient supercontinent, Gondwana, which included today's continents of Africa and South America. In a study that proposes a new evolutionary history of bees, the researchers found evidence that bees originated earlier, diversified faster, and spread wider than many scientists previously suspected. Bees are originally southern hemisphere insects and contributed greatly to the plant diversity of tropical regions, especially in the western hemisphere. The Replant Act provides money for the U.S. Forest Service to plant more than a billion trees in the next nine years. The World Economic Forum aims to help plant a trillion trees around the world by 2030. Many U.S. cities have plans to shade their streets with millions of trees also. Major government and private funding is being invested in planting trees as a powerful tool to fight climate change, protect water, clean air, and cool cities. But new research shows that U.S. tree nurseries don't grow close to enough trees, nor have the species diversity needed to meet those ambitious plans. Scientists studied 605 plant nurseries across 20 northern states. Only 56 of those grow and sell seedlings in the volumes needed for conservation and reforestation, and only 14 of them were government-operated. Scientists were dismayed to discover an overwhelming scarcity of seedlings, they write, from different species and seed collection zones, trees that would be adapted to local conditions and climate. And now, the sounds of extinction. 
Scientists who set out to quantify humanity's impact on our 46,755 fellow species have found that we are the most prolific exploiters of animals by far. Compared to wild predators that have roughly the same body size as us and have similar appetites, we capture or kill nearly 100 times as many vertebrate species on average. Orcas, for instance, have a range that's similar to ours, along with comparable social behaviors. Yet of the 121 types of vertebrates eaten by the so-called killer whales, humans also consume 83 of them, along with 10,337 others in the ocean alone. The situation is similar on land. Jaguars, the most fearsome cats of the Americas, eat nine different types of prey. Humans use all nine of those same species, plus 2,698 others that live in the territory where jaguars and people overlap. The researchers found that 13% of the species we exploit are either vulnerable, endangered, or critically endangered. The researchers attempted to identify all 14,663 of the species exploited by humans and how they were used. It turned out that only around 55% of our victim species are killed for food, most of them other mammals and fish. The study did not include domesticated animals, and the work doesn't capture all of the indirect effects of human activity on wildlife, such as extraction, pollution, habitat removal, and introductions of invasive species. Taken together, these are even more damaging to other species than our direct animal exploitation. And hear the sound of Homo sapiens. The end of birth. I'd like to start out with a quotation from Michael Soule and Bruce Wilcox. Death is one thing, an end to birth is something else. Tropical forests, wetlands, estuaries, and the coral reefs beneath the ocean's surface are home ecosystems for most of the life on Earth. Tropical forests are the home of half of all species, and they are one-third gone. Caught in the slash-and-burn lumbering, fast food grazing, and accelerating birth rates, the planet will be deforested for our children. We are turning out the lights on the creation of life. Life needs enough life, forests and oceans of it, 
to keep making life. Life-alleluia. Put it this way, evolution to work needs its genetic pool, its laboratory, its wildness. Human beings are making this declaration. With our creation, evolution is complete. Nature got us going, but now it's final destination time. Push that throttle on to greatness. Well, that greatness could be over in a few days. In the early 90s, Mr. Ed Bass from a Texas oil family financed an experiment in which miniatures of some of Earth's ecosystems were sequestered with a group of scientists inside a glass bubble called Biosphere 2. It's near Tucson, Arizona. They housed a coral reef in one wing with pumps cycling salt water, and then there was a rainforest in another wing, and so on. They introduced a few lizards and insects, but no mammals no birds. Membership in this club anticipated a mostly human Earth. Space colonization was mentioned in early press conferences as a motive for this hermetically sealed experiment. A comedy of bad science loomed over the project, <laughs> even before scientists started sneaking out for chocolate bars. Inside the bubble, they couldn't get the trees to stand up straight. They caressed the bark. The trees drooped sadly. They discovered that trees need wind. They get their strength from swaying in the breeze. So they tried fanning the trees inside their expensive terrarium. But the trees just leaned and leaned. Trees need wind. It was recently discovered that 45% of all the CO2 stored on land is inside trees. So, the wind makes a tree into a tree, and the tree also makes the wind into wind by cleaning it, scrubbing the carbon, and returning the oxygen over and over. Wind needs wind. Wind needs trees. Trees need trees. Trees need wind. Humans need both. We're witnessing the extinction of hundreds of thousands of species of life. Birds, mammals, frogs, lizards, bees, butterflies, woody plants, flowers, even bacteria. We select some to save, conserve, preserve. We make them into media stars and treasure them. But this planet is our greenhouse now, and we don't plan on sharing it much. The ongoing and upcoming extinction wave seems to leave us officially unimpressed. This is an apocalypse of accumulating silence. The idea that we would remain the only living thing with Earth repurposed to include only pets, little microclimate sample pocket parks, a rainforest the size of a par three golf hole, and museums full of extinct in the wilds animals staring back at us in wonder.
That's hell. But at least it's a temporary one, since we would not survive long. Who would say that human beings are the only life worth saving? It seems so absurd, and yet that seems to be the plan. The most basic far-reaching policy of the United States leadership at this time is to do nothing, say nothing, change nothing. In this slow-motion orgy of death, we go about our day with the understanding that life as we know it is ending. We go to work if we can find it, raise our kids if we can find them, have sex if we can get it, sleep and wake up. We know it won't be long.